okay, the word that sticks. The problem, people of God, you could be in church every week. You'd be under some amazing word. But if that word don't stick, it won't change your soul. The word has to stick. And so I did a series um, earlier this, this year that says I'm stuck on favor because favor's stuck on me. Well, guess what? The same thing with the word. If, the, if, if I'm stuck on the word, guess what? The word's going to be stuck on me, and that's the word that's going to help change my thinking. Only the word that sticks on a change your thing. You can sit under the word all day. You can watch TVN. You can watch whatever you want to watch. Instead of your pastor, if none of that word sticks, you won't change. Manifested Glory Worship Center. Kingdom focused. Kingdom minded. Kingdom living. This is the Rama Talk podcast, and you're listening to Pastor Damon C. Johnson, founder and senior pastor of Manifested Glory Worship Center. Right, if you have your Bible, turn me to the book of James, James chapter 1. All I need is one verse to extract our thought and our theme for this afternoon. Uh, just need one verse to get us started. James chapter 1, verse 21. James chapter 1, verse 21. If you did not bring your Bibles, we will have the scriptures on the monitors for you. I will be reading from the New King James Version today. James chapter 1, verse 21. When you get it, please say, I got it. If you're still turning, say, hold up. Let's get there together. I know some of y'all are not there. James is in the back of your Bible. Amen. James is in the back. If you get to the book of Hebrews, you're real close. But if you get to 1 Peter, you have gone too far. James chapter 1, verse 21. In the Bible, reads this way. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. This is the part I want to get to. And receive with meekness the implanted word which it is able to save your souls. The implanted word which is able to save your soul. Let's stop right there. I borrowed my sermon title from a group, a singing group back in the day. They recorded this song in 1971, and the group is the Dramatics, and the song is called What You See is What You Get. That's my sermon title. What you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. Let me start here. People of God, our text says the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. The implanted word here, let's deal with this word, word. In the Bible, the word can have three different meanings. First of all, the word can be the Logos. The Logos is Jesus Christ himself. He is the word of God. He's the Logos. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14 of that same text says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. So Jesus Christ is the Logos. He's the Word of God. Now, I've taught you this before, church, that Word is his eternal name. Jesus was his earthly name. So his, his, his eternal name is Word. Let me show this to you. Put it on the screen for me. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. Look what it says here. This is in your Bible. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. Three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. All these three are one, and all these three are one. So understand, his eternal name is Word. So Jesus is the Word of God, okay? He's the Logos. The second form is the Rhema. The Rhema is the spoken word. So when we speak the word, it becomes the Rhema, okay? The Rhema, Word of God. And the third one is Gaffe. Gaffe is the written word. So the Bible that you have is the Gaffe. So you have the Logos, the Rhema, and the Gaffe, okay? Now, um, so we, you have these three words. Now, when we read our text, when it says the implanted word, it's talking about the Gaffe. So when we get the Gaffe, the, the written word of God can um, actually help save our soul. But it also talks about here in that, that God is three in one. So we need to deal with this, okay? Now, we've got to deal with soul because I've got to explain what that is. Anyone who's familiar with my ministry know that I teach this a lot. I teach about spirit, soul, and body, okay? So let's deal with that really briefly. 
Now, God is three in one. He's not three gods. He's three gods in one. So that's God's math. Three equals one. Oh, one equals three. That's God's math. See, for us, we say, no, that don't make sense. But to God, it makes total sense, right? Now, the way we try to describe God is we call the Holy Trinity. We call him the Trinity. Now, understand, it's nowhere in the Bible you see the word Trinity, but it's a word that we use to describe who he is. Understanding the word Trinity means tries three and deity. Try three deities all in one. That's what the Trinity is. And so God is the Father. He's the Father. He's also my Lord and Savior through the person of Jesus Christ, and he's Holy Spirit all at one time. Holy Spirit is our teacher, he's our guide, and he's our comforter, okay? So understand, he's three in one. You say, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. You could be, you are three in one. You have a spirit, soul, and a body. But understand that not only that, you can have three relationships with the same person. Let me show you. He's my father, and I go to him as my father. But I have also in God my Savior, who is Jesus. But also I have my teacher and my God, his Holy Spirit, right? So, so you can be the same person but have three different relationships. For some, for you all here, for some of you all, I'm your pastor. For some of you all, I'm your, your cousin or your nephew or something, right? Or, or your son or whatever, right? But then on oh, my job, I'm people's boss. I'm the same man, just three different relationships. Let me make it even more simplified. So my son, Damon, I'm his father, I'm his pastor, and I'm his boss. Amen. <laughs> same guy, same person, but three different relationships. Now, he could come to me in any one of those. And I will recognize him because he's pulling on that relationship because that's what he needs me to be at that time. That's who God is to us. See, sometimes I need him as a savior. Sometimes I need him a father. Sometimes I need him just a teacher and a guide. And so he's three in one. And the Bible says that we were made in his image and in his likeness. So he gave us three parts of our being. So let me deal with it. So, so in John 3.16, we all should know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. And if you ain't saved, you know that scripture, right? That he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believe him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The part we miss out is verse 17, because verse 17 should bless you. Because verse 17, for he did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. So the teaching there, the lesson there is that there's no condemnation in Christ. So if somebody's trying to condemn you, they ain't of God. There's no condemnation in him. He didn't send his son to condemn you. He sent his son to save you. Now, let me give you the backdrop, because the backdrop of the story is a, a conversation Jesus was having with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus came to him at night, because he was a Pharisee, and Pharisees didn't like Jesus, but Nicodemus was intrigued by him. And so he wanted to get some information about this whole salvation thing. So he went to Jesus and said, uh, hey, man, what's up with this being born again? This, this, I mean, this being saved. Jesus said, well, you've got to be born again. He said, born again? I can't go back to my mother's womb. He missed it. Because, see, when, when Adam died, or what Adam sinned rather, he brought death and sin into the world. And so at, as a result of that, we spiritually died. And, and, and we needed to be, have a rebirth of our spirit because Jesus said, you must be born again and you must be, listen, born of the spirit, of water, and the spirit. So that means our spirit needs to be revived again. So what happens is once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our spirit is revived and now we're conscious of God. Okay? So understand that you have a conscious of God through your spirit. That's why, see, when, when people don't have a conscience of God, you see them act out. They only operate in their soul and their body. And so they just do whatever they feel like doing with no consciousness, with no, no one convicting them. Something told me, something told me. That's the spirit of God trying to teach you and tell you something. Something told me don't go down this road. Something told me don't do this. That's God trying to speak to you. And the only way you can have that consciousness is when you're connected to God. So your spirit brings on God consciousness. 
The next part of your being is your body, this suit that you live in. Understand that you are not your body. That's just the, the thing that house you, okay? Now, uh, and that's why I don't let people try to, people say, you fat. No, my body's fat. That's not me. Amen. I'm not my body. I just live in this body. Your body's bald. You bald. I'm not bald. My, 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 my body's bald. Amen. See, understand that your body gives you consciousness of your world. You have five senses and it make you conscious of your world. I bet you this morning you left out the house. Your body said, go get your coat. It's cold outside. Your body told you that. You see, because it make you conscious of your world. See, some people try to be so deep and spiritual. Oh, Holy Spirit told me to wear my coat. No, the hawk outside told you to, to put your coat on. They try to be so deep sometimes. But, but, but it makes you conscious of your world. Your body tells you you're hungry. Go get something to eat. Your body tells you, hey, you're sleepy. Like some of y'all in here right now. Amen. Close your eyes. Hallelujah. That will wake you up. Hallelujah. So you have, you have this body that we live in, and this body makes us conscious of our world. Now, the third part of our being, we have a spirit, we have a body, and the third part is our soul. Now, understand that your soul um, uh, makes you conscious of yourself. So you have God conscious, world conscious, and self-consciousness. Okay? So your soul makes you conscious of yourself. What is my soul? My soul is my emotions, my feelings, my intellect, my emotions. What make you you is your soul. And most of the time, your soul is informed by your experiences. And so oftentimes, you could tell a person um, the, the way they operate because the soul is a part of your mind. I can tell the way you think by your experiences because most people live out their experience and not out their future. I'm going to deal with that in, in two weeks. Um, but, but, but in our text, John, I mean, James is teaching us that God does not only want to save our spirit, but he also wants to save our souls, our minds. And so the process of this is that we have to get our heads, our minds, caught up with our spirit. See, in your spirit, you know that God has given you the victory, but in your mind, you can't think victory yet. And so we have to be able to get our minds to catch up with our spirit, okay? So understand, according to the text, what's going to get us there, the implanted word is going to help save my soul. So here's the process. When I accept Jesus Christ, I'm saved. So I'm already, my spirit is saved, my soul is being saved, and my body will be saved. All three parts you experience salvation. So you, your spirit is saved when you accept Christ. Your mind is being saved right now. Paul called it a renewing of my mind. The more you go to the implanted word, the more your mind changes and you grow in the things of God. Then we're going to get a glorified body when we get to heaven, the same body that Adam had before he sinned. There's not going to know sickness and pain and none of that. So we're going to get a glorified body. Amen. You know what I was thinking about this morning? I said, I wonder if God's going to start taking requests when we get our glorified body. Wouldn't that be nice? You sit down, God says, okay, let's, let's, let's make up your glorified body. All right, bless God. God, I want my glorified body to have a flat stomach. Amen. Little extra, maybe a little more of my hair than I have right now. Let me go down to pants size. Hallelujah. Give me about three more. Uh, let me make about six feet tall. Amen. I wonder if he's taking requests. Amen. We'll see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something like that. I already got my list together. Amen. So let's deal with our third, let's deal with this, this third part that we've been dealing with. We, get, we talked about the spirit, talked about the body. Let's deal with our soul. Get our text and some of the soul. Now, it says the implanted word is able to save our soul. The word implanted here means the word that sticks. Okay? The word that sticks. The problem, people of God, you could be in church every week. 
You can be under some amazing word, but if that word don't stick, it won't change your soul. The word has to stick. And so I did a series um, earlier this, this year that says I'm stuck on favor because favor stuck on me. Well, guess what? The same thing with the word. If, the, if, if I'm stuck on the word, guess what? The word is going to be stuck on me, and that's the word that's going to help change my thinking. Only the word that sticks going to change your thing. You can sit under the word all day. You can watch TBN. You can watch whatever you want to watch. Your past, but if none of that word sticks, you won't change. Amen, lights and walls. And so we have to make sure that where the word is sticking, that's going to help save our soul or change our mind. Um, people of God, the Bible is not a code of conduct. And if you do everything right, and God will love you. It's, God loves you anyway. Remember, he loves you. And so this book is a book that helps save the way you think, to help save your soul. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Okay? Can I give you a sidebar here? Oh, I, for our visitors, if I ask, can I give you a sidebar? The response is, yes, you can. Let's try that again. Can I give you a sidebar? All right. Your is is defined by your thinking. Your is is defined by your thinking. What are you saying, Pastor? My thoughts is directly connected to my reality. So what I think, that's exactly what's going to be around me. Let me, let me give you some examples. Let's use your relationships. Let's use your job, for example. See, let me give a disclaimer here. Now, let me just be real. For some of you all, your, your relationships and your job might be a toxic place, and you need to get out of that place. Believe God for future, for greater, and get out of that place. If it's toxic, it's no good for you, then you have the right and you should leave. But that's not everybody. Amen. See, some of you all say, I hate my job. They don't, they don't recognize me. Well, let's look at what you're doing. You get there for the first hour, and you're on social media for the first hour. You take three smoke breaks and three lunch breaks in an eight-hour period. You don't do no work, but yet you say it's the job. It's not you. Amen. And then what you do, you say, this place don't recognize me. They ain't promoting me. You'll leave that place and go to another place and do the exact same thing, and then that place becomes this place. Because it wasn't the job. It's how you thought about the place. It's your thinking in that place. All right, all right. Let's use the relationship. Same thing. You, you, you know, um, um, I'm getting out of this relationship because they, 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 don't, they don't value me. One thing I learned, and listen, I had to learn this the hard way. I can't always be right. Amen. I thought I was always right. It was never my fault. Never. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. It was never my fault. But then I had to do a self-assessment and say, I can't, it can't always be her. It has to be me too. And so now that I'm older, I, own, I don't lease none of my stuff. I own all my stuff. If it's mine, I own it. Amen. Amen. If, if I own it, it's mine. And so if I did it, I did it. Amen. I own it. And so because of that, I now can realize that I can change the way I think about things because it can't always be their fault. So what you'll do is you'll, you'll, you'll think you're always right. You'll leave that relationship and come over here, and you'll bring all the baggage from that relationship into this relationship, and now this one looks like that one, and you're blaming that, this new person. Oh, it must be them. No, it's you. It's how you think. Let me, let me give you another relationship. The church relationship. I'm leaving MGWC, that pastor, that, you know, whatever. It's always my fault. Elder John, or, or your fault. We share it. Mine or yours. Okay? 
And what happens is, what happens is there, there's no accountability. So you'll leave this place and go to a new place and try to manipulate that place. And when you can't manipulate it, then you leave that place. Then you go to another place, can't manipulate it, and you become a church hopper. You ever see, met them? Here for six months, there six months, there three months. Church hoppers, and you can't grow if you're not planted. Amen. Because you'll take that stuff and take it somewhere else. Because some people are opportunists. I can't do my thing here. Maybe I can go over here and do my thing. Maybe they'll make me grand poobah over here. I'm going to leave that alone. Y'all didn't like that one. I'm going to leave that alone. And so, and, so, and so we have to understand that real change doesn't happen around me. Real change starts in me. So I, if I want change, I have to first start within and then allow it to come around me, okay? Um, happy people, um, is, being happy is a mindset, okay? Um, happy people um, aren't perfect people and their lives are not perfect. They just made a decision that I'm going to be happy. They've made a decision that my attitude is not defined by my circumstances but by my mindset. And I told you this before, church, don't let nobody control your thermostat. Amen. Listen. Now, I'm funny about the thermostat in my house. Anybody know me know I leave my house at a certain temperature. I don't need, if it gets above 71, I'm irritated. So I encourage my family, when you come over, put on a jacket. Wear a sweater. Because I don't want nobody coming there messing with my thermostat. Amen. Even though I know they do on the side. But I'm not there. <laughs> Amen. But listen to this. If you walk into a space and you're already feeling good and you're feeling happy, and somebody can walk up to you and just hit a couple buttons and make you hot or cold, they control you. Don't let nobody control your thermostat. I can't. If I walk in here and I'm feeling good, and then I see you, and all of a sudden you say two words to me, and I'm mad for the rest of the day, are you kidding me? That means you control me. You had that much control over my life that you could hit a couple buttons on me. You say, oh, oh, I don't like what you got on today. Oh, you gaining some weight. Somebody say something crazy to you like that. Then you be like, I can't believe they. And then for the rest of the day, that's all you're thinking about. You're consumed by that thing because you will allow somebody to control your thermostat. See, what I do, somebody come to me with some craziness, I'm like, well, bless God. God, I'm praying for them. They need some help. That's how I deal with people now. Because I'm not going to let you get me hot or cold. I'm a, I regulate myself, and so people of God, we, that's all in how you view things, okay? That's all how you see things. Amen. All right? Um, people will come to me and say, well, Pastor, I feel like I'm stuck. I'm stuck in life. And my rebuttal is, I don't think you're stuck. I just think your mind is stuck. If you can change your mind, I think you can change what you see. Amen. Let me, let, me, um, let me do this. Autumn, where's Autumn? Come here, Autumn. Get in the microphone. Now, you can stay right there. What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spell some words. Now, I don't need nobody in the church to help her. All right? She's 24. She's educated. She should be able to answer these questions. All right? I'm going to spell the word. She's going she's gonna to tell me what I'm spelling. Okay? Here's the first word. Uh, which one I want to start with? 
All right, let's do this. M-A-C-D-O-N-L-A-L-S-D-S. I'm going to do it again. M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D-S. McDonald's. Okay, good. All right, here's the next one. M-A-C-K-I-N-T-O-S-H. McIntosh. Good. All right. Here's the third one. M-A-C-A-D-A-M-I-A. M-A-C-A-D-A-M-I-A. Macadamia. I like those type of nuts. Here's the last one. M-A-C-H-I-N-E. C. McNine. That was a machine. See? You see what I did to her? It took me 30 seconds to get her mind stuck on one thing. 30 seconds to get her mind stuck on one thing. All I did was use other words. So you start thinking in that same pattern. And when you start thinking in that same pattern, you're stuck there. So it wasn't that she stuck. Her mind, it only took me 30 seconds. How long have you been in your situation stuck? How long did it take you to get there? It only took me 30 seconds. Y'all like, machine. That's a new word. No, machine. Machine. It's because it doesn't take long to get your mind stuck, and the enemy knows that. All he has to do is get you in a certain pattern of things. And once you get in that certain pattern, you, you, get, you start rolling, and now you think this is what life should be. Because now your mind's stuck, and because your mind's stuck, you, you only can go as far as your mind. And so now you perceive yourself as being stuck because your mind got stuck on one thing. One way of thinking, and now that's, that's now picture your life. Can, can I give you a side? Uh, and see, here's the thing. Um, hey, man, I'm ready to give you a sidebar already. Um, now, I, I'm not going to have time to break this down today, but I'm going to deal with this in two weeks. Bishop's going to be here next week, so to follow me, I'm going to break this thing down. Your brain has two major functions, okay, to remember and to imagine. That's the two basic functions. To remember, I'm going to break this thing down second Sunday. I promise you I will. So those two functions. And so our problem is that we only live out of one. We only live out of our memories. We never, we never can imagine the future being better than what we have right now. And because we only live out of our past, we never embrace our future. And so because of that, people of God, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a, we're going to do this thing in two weeks. But I need you to understand that, that you have to get your mindset differently, and you have to start looking at things differently. Let me give you a story out of the Bible. When David was king, um, well, before David became king, he was the armor bearer and the, and the uh, heart player for Saul, who was king. And, and, and he became very close to Saul's son, Jonathan. They became best friends. I mean, they were tight. They were thick as thieves. And even though Jonathan was supposed to be the next king, he realized the oil was on David, so he stepped aside so David could become king, Okay. So David is now king, and Jonathan has died. And so David made a promise to Jonathan to say, whoever's left in this house, I'm going to bless whoever's left in this house. So David went to his servants to say, who is left from Jonathan's house? He said, he has one son left. His name is Mephibosheth. He said, um, he said uh, well, go get him. Now, you understand, Mephibosheth was, was crippled because he was dropped at a, at, when he was a baby. He was crippled at, um, from, from his, his youth because one of his uh, maid servants dropped him. And so he's, because he was crippled, he was an outcast. So he didn't live with the rest of the family. He was off and living in some rough situations. And so David told his family, he says, go get him. 
I'm going to be a blessing to him. They went and they got Mephibosheth. David sat him in front of him and said, now look, Doc, I, I, me and your father was tight. He says, from now on, you will no longer live like that. You're going to live in this palace. Not only are you going to live in this palace, you're going to have all this land is your land. All these guys that work for me, they now work for you. You got it going on just like that because me and your dad, father was tight. Now I'm going to bless you. David went back to see him. Guess where Mephibosheth was? On the floor. Because that's where he was in his old place, on the floor. So listen, God changed his environment, brought him into a better place. But because his mind didn't change, he went right back to what he knew, being on the floor. And that's what happens a lot of times in our life. We're asking God to change our situation. Instead of changing our situation, God changed my mind. See, because if I could change my mind, I could change my situation. See, 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 Mephibosheth was placed into a better place, but because he didn't think that he was better, he didn't act like he was better. He's in the palace on the floor. And that's what happens to many of us. God will change your situation, but because you're still stuck in your past, you haven't moved beyond it in your mind. And because I didn't move from in my mind, I can't move forward. The Bible says that we need to move when God moves, and we need to change our mind. We need to change our mind based on the way he's taking us. Okay? Now, 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 here's the thing. When you see it, when God shows it to you, you need to build it. Okay? God told Moses, he says, I want you to build me a tabernacle so I can dwell among you and your people. So he showed um, Moses this thing, and then Moses had to see it, and then he began to build it. So here's the thing, people of God, I can tell where you're headed by what you're building. Yeah. If you ain't building nothing, I can tell you ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. If you ain't building, and you would say, well, Pastor, I'm, 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 not a, I'm not a mason. I'm not talking about building no buildings. I'm not building your spiritual life. It's all building your financial stability, building your relationships. If you ain't building nothing, I can tell you you ain't going nowhere. Amen. And so we need to start building something. Um, faith without works is what? That's what the Bible says. So we have to make sure that we're, that we're not, we're activating our faith. Can I give you a sidebar here? Hope is necessary, but it's not a strategy. Hope is necessary, but it's not. You listen, you can't live your life just hoping things will change. Living your life just hoping, I'm just hoping things turn around. I'm just hoping that God will move my, God is what you waiting on God and God's waiting on you. Here's the thing. You got to, the Bible says if you draw nine to me, God says I'll draw nine to you. You take the first step, he'll take two. And so you got to start moving and God will move. Just like that. Amen. Let me give you another scripture. Matthew 6. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Matthew 6, verse 22. Put on those monitors for me. Look what it says here. This scripture messed me up. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Now, Let's look at this. It said the eye, singular. Now, when it says, it says the lamp of the body is the eye, singular. Therefore, if the eye, singular, is good, then the whole body um, will be full of light. So what this is teaching me is that whatever I focus on will consume me. Whatever, single eye means focus, okay? So whatever I focus on will illuminate my entire body. So if I'm only focused on negativity, that's all me full of is negativity. If I'm, fo if I'm only focused on what, what, what they didn't do for me or when they want, I mean, that all, that's all going to be inside of me. But if I change my focus and say, God, I'm going to focus on your word. I'm going to let the implanted word stick to me, and I'm going to focus on what you said and not what they said. I'm going to focus on what you're doing and not what they didn't do. Okay? Understand this. Focus eliminates distraction. If I stay focused, 
Then they can do whatever they want around me. I'm focused. And do you know what the devil, when he wants to defeat you, all he does is he brings distraction. Things that distract you from what you're supposed to be focusing on. Okay? And so we need to focus. So my question is, what do you see? What do you see? Because whatever you see is what you're going to get. What do you see? If you are sick in your body, can you see healing? Can you see it? If, if you are bound, can you see freedom? If you are in financial strain, can you see that you are the head and not the tail, that you are above only and not believe that you are lender and not? Can you see it? Because whatever you see is what you're going to get. Can I give you a sidebar here? You can't see it when you arrive. You have to see it to arrive. I'm going to say that again. You can't see it once you arrive. You have to see it to arrive. If I don't see it, I'm never going to get there. And once you see it, people of God, you have to pursue it. Here's my last scripture. Uh, put it up there for me. Um, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Look what it says here. Very familiar story. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Let me give you the, the backdrop of this story. Elijah was the prophet at this time, and Ahab was king. Ahab was king in name only, because guess what? He was married to a woman by the name of Jezebel, and he was jellyback, and she ran the show. Ain't nothing worse than a jellyback man that had no backbone. Ain't nothing worse. Ain't nothing worse than a man who can't stand up and scared of his wife. Ain't nothing worse. But Ahab, Ahab is the king, but his wife Jezebel is running the show. Now, they, bo they have both drugged all the people of God into a place of pagan worship of Baal. And so Elijah is the prophet. He comes to them and says, guess what? It ain't going to rain until we get this thing right on the earth. It ain't going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And for three and a half years, it did not rain. So then he had a word from God, and God says, I'm about to bring rain. He heard, listen to this, he heard the sound of the abundance of rain. Now, he sent out his servant and said, go look for the clouds. He sent his servant out the first time, he come back, I don't see no clouds. Second time, I don't see no clouds. No clouds, no clouds, no clouds, no clouds. On the seventh time, his servant came back, listen to this. He says, he saw rise out of the sea a cloud the size of a man's hand. He saw a cloud the size of a man's hand, and Elijah said, there's abundance. See, y'all missed it. He saw a, a, a cloud the size of a man's hand, and he equated that to abundance because that's what he heard. See, he had to see the rain before he saw the rain. He had to see it here. God's about to bring abundance. He had to see it here before he saw it physically. And when he saw the small thing, he said, that's the abundance. See, that's our problem. When the when small, small thing comes, we, we dismiss it like it's nothing. That could be your place of abundance. And so, and so it has to start somewhere. And so, and so, so, so understand, people of God, he saw abundance out of a man's, a side, a side of a man's hand. Whatever you see is what you're going to get. Now, let me do this. Kevin, come here for a second. Let me find one more person. Who here hate roller coasters? Come here, David. I want you two to look at this screen. Now, I, let me set this thing up. They're both looking at the same thing. They're both looking at the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm going to stand next to David. Amen. 
because I'm on this side of the coin. All right, thank, thank you, sound room. All right, so turn around, gentlemen. Now, they both were looking at the exact same thing. One see it as fun, one see it as fear. Same thing. So it's not the thing, it's how you see it. It's how you perceive it up here. One person is looking at that thing like, oh, man, I can't wait to get on it. The other person is like, I'm not getting on that at all. <laughs> the same exact thing. The thing didn't change is how you see it. Because whatever you see, what you going to get? If you see fun, you don't get fun. If you see fear, you don't get fear. And so people go, I came here today and say that it all starts in your mind. Thank you, gentlemen. It all starts in your mind. Listen. Our scripture says that the implanted word can help save our soul. Our soul is our mind. So whatever word sticks in my mind can help change my mind about my situation. And whenever I think about that thing, remember, life and death is the power of your tongue. Remember the Bible says, out the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So if my heart is full of fear, all I'm going to speak is fear. All I'm going to see is fear. That's all I saw. You see? Same thing with that because Now, if that was me, I'd be with David. I don't like roller coasters. Don't mean I haven't been on them. I don't like them. I don't see how I have my stomach drop is fun. That's not fun to me. People are like, oh, you in the Marine Corps. You're absolutely right. I was forced to do some of that stuff. Now that I have a choice, I choose not to. Okay? But, but understand, people of God, understand my, my whole purpose in, in spelling this out today, and we're going to deal with this in two weeks. I promise we're going to do a deeper dive. It's that, it's that we have to change what we see. Because we change what we see, we'll change what we get. See, many of us are believing God, but all God, I'm believing you for a breakthrough, but all I see is nothing. I see destruction around me. I'm, I, I, I see sickness around me. I see division around me. I don't see anything positive around me. So because I don't see it, I don't get it. Whatever you see, people of God. What the, the dramatic said it real good. What you see, what you get. Change what you see, I guarantee you, you'll change what you get. Come on, stand on your feet. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rama Talk podcast. To listen to this message or past sermons, download the Mixcloud app in the Google Play or iTunes Store. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Thank you again for listening to the Rama Talk podcast. Hope you join us next time.